Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, your home for Montreal Canadiens news, information, and entertainment. Your hosts are Blaine Padvang of the Hockey Writers, Matt Smith, and Treg Toxic Wilson. Successful companies find unconventional answers. That's why Zamboni Keeper is your source for wins. When you need someone to hold down your fort, when your normal goalie is out injured, we have the answer for you. Call 1-800-BONY-DRIVER. We have a Zamboni driver available in a rink near you, ready to play nets. For only the cost of a team jersey, our Zamboni experts will be able to face your league's most expensive and nationally overhyped offensive players and provide your team the chance to win. Call 1-800-BONY-DRIVER and win. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered. The most unfiltered of unfiltered, filtered, unfiltered shows. Uh, I'm your host, Blaine Podvang, and I am joined this week by Matt Smith. Good evening. And Treg, kind of toxic, not really, Wilson. Hey, what's up? It, it's it's time to bring the toxicity. Sure. I was pretty toxic on my show there yesterday. Well, I mean. Or Tuesday. Were you? I don't know. I didn't listen. Did you listen, Matt? I haven't had the chance yet because of work, but I promise I will. Oh, I, no, I had plenty of time. I had lots of time. I just... You guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> no, but how's how's your week been? You Matt? guys suck worse than the first line of the Leafs against the Zamboni driver. Oh, shots oh. fired. Oh, we'll they fired that. shots, too, but didn't hit anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, they they did hit something. It was a Zamboni yeah. driver. His chest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they aim center of mass and they hit every time. <laughs> <laughs> Military jokes. Ah. So, Treg, how's your week been, brother? Terrible. I have a sinus infection. I'm sick as fuck. That's awesome. Glad to hear. What about you, Matt? Yeah. <laughs> uh, better than Treg, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I, I worked during the trade deadline, which is really, really weird, but I was, uh, fortunate enough to be able to get on my phone a little bit and be able to tweet out a little bit about Canadians prospect or about uh, Canadians related content. So I was a little bit happy about that. 
Well, anytime you can tag Habs Unfiltered and share with your 27 million followers, we, we enjoy it. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> My week was okay. Uh, thanks for asking. Um, You're very I welcome. Got to, <laughs> I got to, no I got to set fire to a whole building it, and then put it out and then set fire on pur- to it again. On, on purpose? Or? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, the you must have been control. at the DC school. Yeah, yeah. We get to set fire. You didn't to set building. fire to anything. It's a controlled fire. You get to push the button, and fire comes out, and then you push the button, and fire stops. Fun times. Fun tag team leader. No, no, no. I was assessing. Oh, uh, okay. Because you know, um, <coughs> I'm super high up there. You know, I'm so amazing. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Kind of a big deal. Yeah, kind, kind, kind of a big, big deal. deal. Yeah, just you're not like me. you're not like emergency goalie, you know, Zamboni driver big, but you're up there. Which is a good point. I am not e bug huge, but <laughs> someone who we know is David Ayers. He's e bug huge, and he set NHL records and for the uh, the most wins by an e bug in the history of the NHL at one. <laughs> And the the the, uh, the winning as the oldest goalie to play in his first game in the NHL history. So, yay! I'm sure Leaf fans are very ecstatic for the Zamboni driver of the Toronto Marlies to set these records against the Maple Leafs. I mean, I, I'm sure they couldn't be happier. That actually could have went terrible for the NHL, like completely terrible. Yeah, you know, we, we laugh and we joke about it. it it's a fun story. Yeah. We, we kid. But let's be honest. When you've got two teams fighting for a playoff spot and what could be, it could rest on some random guy out of the stands for those two points. Yeah, you're right. That's, that yeah. is not a good look for the league. Yeah, I think the teams will be sending him a muffin basket if that ends up knocking you know, knocking a team out because of that. Muffin basket. The uh, as of today, uh, we're recording Wednesday. Carolina has had a David Ayers Day. He is uh, he's gone down to Carolina and done a big parade. I think they might have even retired his number ninety. <laughs> they they went all out with him. He was on the Steve Colbert show. He was on Fox. Yes, he News. was. Yeah. Everybody yeah. over ninety got to see him. Yeah, he was on. Uh, he was on Jay and Dan as well. Like he's 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 made his rounds. Now, uh, my question is: Has he been fired by the Marlies yet? <laughs> I guess not. No. I'm gonna I'm gonna say not yet because he he was at practice. He was at practice the very next day, but I'm sure that would have been awkward as old hell. Uh, I heard a rumor that he brought the puck from the uh, the game puck and had the boys sign it for him. <laughs> uh, All right, enough crapping on the Leafs. Uh, Their fans do enough of that on their own. It's time that we crap on the Habs. So uh, the deadline has come and gone. Uh, Bergevin has done things, not done things, upset people. It's it's Bergevin. He'll he'll piss people off no matter what he does. Um. But, I mean, honestly, his job isn't to get people excited at trade deadline. It's building a team. So, Matt, I'm going to start with you. What? How do you assess the work he did at the deadline? 
Um, honestly, I, I I think people are really blowing this out of proportion. I believe that uh, he did an he did a he did an all right job. Um, he it was all about asset management for him. I I know he pissed off a few people when he uh, apparently had a better offer to send Ilya Kovalchuk elsewhere, and instead he continued to um, show a lot of respect towards Ilya Kovalchuk and send him somewhere that he wanted to go. Uh, sending him to the Capitals to play with the Vatican, which is something he's wanted to do for years, apparently. Um, you know, it's hard to see some of these guys go because, especially with uh, Kovalchuk, he's he'd been playing very well with Suzuki. They had some chemistry, um, and you can see it in Suzuki's game. It really elevated with him um, playing alongside Kovalchuk. Uh, another one fan favorite, um, you know, the guy that does the shimmies all the time, Nate Thompson. Um, he's another guy, and you could tell that. The team's going to miss him. He's going to miss Montreal. And I don't think the door is going to be open or the door is going to be closed on either one of those players to return. Um, I, I, I can see Mark Bergevin contacting both of them in the offseason and saying, hey, hey, do you want to come back? And, you know, more than likely they're going to have a contract discussion with them. Um, the, the, the move that surprised me was, uh, was moving Matthew Packa for, uh, for Aaron Luchuk in a seventh. I, uh, I I didn't really see uh, Packet being moved, but with the amount of deals that have been made at the uh, AHL level lately, I guess I can't really be surprised. We saw um, Veroni leave and Barber leave. We've seen McCarron leave, etc. So, you know, nothing's really surprising me anymore. Um, you know, we'll see about Luchuk. He, he's a, he's a, an ECHL player, played for the Growlers. And, you know, we put up a lot of points there. And uh, we've seen Bergevin and his um, scouting staff actually be able to go into the ECHL system and pick up a few players here and there that, that actually have helped Laval. Um, like LaMarche has come from there. Joe Cox has come from there. Um, I'm trying to remember who else off the top of my head has come through there. Um but like, doesn't really matter. They, 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 they've been doing well as of late, picking out players from the ECHL. And I hope Lucha can do that. Yeah, and Lucha played in uh, in Windsor when they were scouting uh, Sergachev. So they have That's a right. good view of him. Um, That's right. But anyone, anyone of Memorial Cup there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but my view of his of picking him up and getting rid of Pekka, that's more of a, a dressing room issue between... Bouchard and one of the veterans in Pekka, he didn't seem to be fitting in there. Whereas uh, Luchuk, you bring him up, you can throw him into a fourth line role, and he's the kind of player that'll muck and grind and fight in the corners. And absolutely, he's, he's more of a Bouchard style player, and, and he's going to want to prove himself right away. Exactly. exactly. And as we're talking, as we're talking right now, um, Laval is playing Belleville, and he's making his debut. So. Um, more to follow on him in his debut. Yeah, and he'll fit in better with the plan in Laval because they don't need any marquee guys because they, they sent them all down to Laval already. So they Absolutely. just need guys to fill in the bottom six. Um, now, I'm going to go on to back to Bergevin. Uh, he keeps repeating his plan over and over and over. Um, so you can't really say he doesn't have one. Uh, it's compete, build via the draft. Uh, 
the team's technically only out by about seven points right now, and they have 14 picks. Now, Treg, I know you had something to say about this on Toxic Tuesday because, uh, I mean, I, I say I didn't listen, but I totally did because, you know, I'm kind of a fan. I'm a big fan. So uh, why don't you give us, uh, give us your two, te- two cents on that? Well, <clears throat> the, 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 the trade deadline to me went exactly the way I figured it would go. I figured the UFAs would all go. Uh, Nick Cousins was an RFA. I, I figured he would go, even though I think uh, Julian, uh, you know, was up all night crying when he left. But uh, um, as of the, the presser, he says I'm building through the draft, and a lot of people get pissed because they felt maybe he should have traded to Tyron Petrie uh, because uh, they don't feel like we're going to make the playoffs this year. I mean, they, they basically have to go 13-3 and one to make the playoffs. I don't see it happening, but. I think that was a statement to say that going into next year, uh, we just picked up the two top guys that were at the trade deadline without actually even doing anything by getting by keeping Petrie and Tatar. Uh, I think he, he truly believes next year they can compete, uh, especially with the team healthy. And we all agreed here that if the team was healthy, they'd probably be in a playoff spot right now, or at least a lot closer than seven points away. Uh, but like what I brought up on uh, Toxic Tuesday was he's going to have to have a hell of an offseason in order to uh, fill the holes he needs to fill to make this team a playoff team. Uh, because if anyone goes down injured or if anything goes, if Price plays bad, if uh, Drew and Domi both fall off a cliff, uh, which they have done this year, although I think Drewin's issue is more to, due to his injury than him actually falling off a cliff, but uh, uh, then he, he like he's going to have to uh, uh, really do something in this offseason in order to uh, to make this team a playoff team because there is no depth, and that that's what proved this year. And, and uh, without the depth, they're not going to be able to cover the uh, the the injuries to uh, keep this team afloat. So again, I was fine with the trade deadline. It was the presser that just the way he went about the presser that I didn't really piss me off. I just, I understood what he was saying. I get what he was saying, but I, I knew there'd be the, uh, uh, Twitter verse or the, you know, that, that was going to go crazy because they want answers to questions that he's not going to give them answers to. And that's just the way you got to look at it. Personally, I'm happy. I'm happy that they kept to and Petrie because I was indifferent. Because for me, if you get rid of those guys, especially Petrie, you get rid of him, who is going to step up on the right side to play? You can't just, you exactly. You can't just say, hey, Shea Weber, you're going to be the guy and you're pretty much our only defenseman. You're playing 36 minutes now. (laughs) Absolutely. Sherratt, for me, has looked good. He's definitely an improvement over Ben. Um, he's got 20 points this year. Like it's, I didn't expect him to be putting up that many points, especially nine goals. Career highs. Exactly. Right. And he's, uh, you know, he blocks shots, he hits, he can play the minutes. You know, he's, he's, he surprised me, but, um, with the injury to Juleson, with them sending flurry down with him trading Scandella, they trained, they traded Riley. Um, now, um, you know, Fullen's, Nothing special. And then you've got Mate that just fractured his foot. 
you know, you don't have that depth. Like it's pretty much Sherratt, Petrie, and Weber on any given night that are going to make or break your that are going to make or break your defense. If yeah. if if one of the if one of them have a bad game or two of them have a bad game, chances are Price is playing overtime. And and recently, the way or the reason that they've been in some of these games or won some of these games is have been the the uh, the play of carry Price. And that's that's been yeah. a problem for years, hasn't it? That uh, everyone says, well, the Canadians are only as good as Carey Price, and I mean he absolutely he is not a spring chicken anymore. So it no, would make not. sense that you would want to keep a little bit more veteran presence. Now, I for one wanted to see Tatar and Petrie moved out, um, but not for just anything. I mean, even though in his press conference. Yes, his comments did contradict themselves. He seemingly flip-flopped back and forth with his statements. He just repeated canned statements ad nauseum. But it's the actions that he takes that tell you his plan. And his plan is he wants to compete, and he is bringing in youth. When you have that core uh, veteran presence that he has, if if he moves out guys like Tatar and Petrie, like you mentioned... Um, Weber and Price will not want to be there. And who can blame them? So keeping them tells me two things, that he wants to compete next year, and nobody offered him the deals he was looking for. And in his in his conf- uh, press conference, he mentioned, you know, picking later in the rounds is a crapshoot. It's kind of like a... a you, the, the odds aren't there for an impact player to meet the the same level of play that you currently have with the guys that you have. To me, that tells me that nobody was offering top prospects with picks. They were just offering late first-round picks. And that is not enough to say, you know what, yeah, we're all in on that. You know, it, it's great to say Ottawa has three first-round picks. That's, that's, a, that's a great haul for Ottawa. But two of those are in the top ten. The third one is a late first. No one really cares about that one. They care about the two top ten picks. Those are quality picks where you know you're going to get an elite player. That late round and pick, let's be, it's 50-50. Let, let's be honest with one of the top. No one expected San Jose to drop off like they did. So exactly. no one really not, not at all. Exactly. Not at all. So, I mean, right now Ottawa's going to steal the draft as long as they do it right. But I agree. And I kind of agree with what Bergevin said now. I brought this up before we started Which part? recording. He did flip flop. Well, when he said that, it, it's kind of you're, you're looking at it. It has to do with a lot of luck when you're drafting after the first ten, twelve players, right? Uh, like Caulfield last year, it was luck that he dropped to Montreal. Really. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Philadelphia. Exactly. Like you know, we saw the reaction of Philadelphia when they didn't uh, fans when they didn't draft Caulfield. Um, so. If you're getting like, I mean, there, there's this thing going around how that buddy today with a sign fire Bergevin and Timmons and everyone's jumping on Timmons, but no one's really looking at exactly what Timmons did and where he was drafting when he drafted players he drafted. Everyone's like, oh, well, we don't have anyone in our system that's a 70 point score. Well, when you're drafting for the first five years, they were drafting except maybe once 22 and higher. So you're not going to get 
well, very rare, you're going to get a bonafide Pasternak. It's the only one I can think of off the top of my head that was picked, I think, 25 or higher that ended up being, you know, a, a super and, and one pick after him, Nikita Sherback. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> but name, name, me a, name me a team that this year that had a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick, and two seventh-round picks playing for them in the same game. Nobody. Just but the, see, nobody just looks at that. No one looks at that. Everyone just looks at the first-round picks and goes, Timmons can't do his job because he can't pick. Look at the first-round picks he picked. Now, everyone's ignoring the last three years because no one knows how these last three years are going to develop yet. So really, they're basing his entire work on the first with Bergevin anyway, on his first, uh, uh, because really you have to admit, Timmons never had control of the draft until Bergevin came in. Uh, they're just basing it on the first three, four, five years that he was with Bergevin, where they were yeah, picking in the high twenty. I'm going to have to correct you on that. Uh, he didn't have control until about three years ago when Bergevin let him have the reins because, well, there you as go. you saw, his first round picks were just not panning out. There, there you go. But uh, <clears throat> look at where he was drafting, though. You know, when he drafted these players, and look at what the team need was at the time. When he drafted Tenor- when they drafted Tenorti and Bulio, they needed Tenorti. They needed a big, strong, rugged defenseman. Bulio, they thought he was going to be that puck moving defenseman that they that they needed. Didn't work out. But they were drafting in the high twenties. Now, if they were drafting in the the low teens to you know, five to fifteen, that probably would have been a better pick. If you look at his picks below ten, Sergachev, uh, Galchenyuk, Kotyunemi, well, I'll even go back as far as Price. They're all going to be uh, legitimate hockey players. Well, Galchenyuk had other issues, but he was a thirty goal scorer. So, and look at Sergachev. Sergachev is going to be a top four defenseman. But people don't look at that because all they want to do is say Timmons can't draft because they're not looking at the bigger picture. Well, and uh, another key point of the draft is that Shane Churl is there now. And he's been there for three years now. This is, I believe, is going to be his. He joined in 2017 as the uh, the head amateur scout. So this will be his fourth draft. <clears throat> and this is. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is the uh, the fourth draft in the new method that I like to call the shotgun method, where they they just take a whole ton of picks and just go nuts. So, what about after this draft? If they pick all fourteen, they'll be close to almost fifty prospects in the last four years. They're they're almost guaranteed to get ten NHL players out of that, just out of sheer numbers. So um, now. Back to Bergevin. Uh, I mean, teams aren't built in a day. Like the trade deadline is, you know, it's just one day. Um, I know people are, are upset, and I, I'm disappointed too. I was kind of hoping for for more, uh, but he did open up uh, by selling four or five guys. He opened up some some very important uh, contract space. They're down to about 45 out of 50 contracts now. So that gives them some room to work uh, with their prospects before the draft. Excuse me. And with the draft being in Montreal, uh, it's probably where he's likely to swing a big trade. I mean, we saw the the mile-high holiday where he was in Colorado for a while. And uh, 
I mean, the trade deadline is just one step. Draft is step two. UFAs are step three. Uh, if this team and prospect pool is unchanged and not significantly better by September, then yeah, I'll, I'll declare that the work he's done the last couple of years hasn't been up to snuff. Now, Matt, what do you think? Right now, I'm thinking that they're going to need to take some of those draft picks and not just shotgun and try to make the picks. Um, obviously, you're going to use your first-round picks. They've got three seconds this year. If you can package some of those together, move up into the first um, for another pick, that'd be fantastic. Hopefully, luck will be on their side, and maybe they can get a top-three pick um, and maybe have someone that can jump right into their lineup for next season. Um, for me, I've said this multiple times, they need to take care of Carey Price. They need to get a backup goalie. And whether that's trading pros or uh, trading picks, signing one, making a trade, whatever they've got to do, they have to make that a priority. Um, same thing is uh, finding a partner to play with Shea Weber. Yes, I, I, I've, I've said good things about Sherratt, but I think he's better suited to play with someone like Jeff Petrie, a guy that can jump up into the rush a little bit more. And... Um, I honestly think that, you know, Victor Victor Mete is a defenseman that can play in the NHL, but he's not a top four defenseman right now. And playing him alongside Shea Weber isn't doing anything for Shea Weber. Same thing as them. Totally agree. Right. Same same thing as them bringing in these, um, you know, hopeful NHL backups. Um, you know, we saw it with Kincaid this year. He really struggled. He's struggling in Laval. Um, I was hoping that maybe they'd be able to move him at the deadline. I brought it up on the last show. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. And you know what? He's with the Canadians. He's with the Canadians for the rest of the year. He's not going to be back. I think we already know that. But if I am uh, Bouchard and Bergevin, I am making sure that Caden Primo sees as much ice time as possible and Michael Pignevin. We know that Kincaid's not going to come back. He's not part of the future. You know, it sucks for him. It sucks for it sucks for the um, um, you know the prospect of him possibly coming back to the NHL because other teams are going to look at this and say, "Oh, well, look at this guy. Like, you know, he's sitting in the pre- you know sitting in the press box in in, uh, in the AHL. Why why would we be interested in him?" Um, yeah, it, it, he's not he's not part of the future. You play the guys that are going to get you there, that are going to be part of your future. And Caden Primo is a big part of the Canadians' future. Um, same thing as Charlie Lindgren. I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna jump up and down about Charlie Lindgren and say all these terrible things about him, but he's not ready to be a full time NHL backup. He's not a guy that's going to be able to give you 30 games. It's it's just not going to happen. Maybe he may he might give you 15. And, you know, he, with the way he's been playing, he might, you know, he might give you five wins. So they, we know that they need more out of their backups and we know that they need to step up against these terrible teams. But look at Detroit this year. Look oh, at, uh, look at Detroit, look at Ottawa, look at New Jersey. You know, you put a couple points here, a couple points there. Canadians are in the playoffs, even with all those injuries. Um, and one more thing I want to bring up is Jonathan Drouin. They're going to have to find out really damn quick if this is a guy that's part of that core. Because to me, he is a disposable asset right now. 
He has been a shell of himself since he's been returned. He's been a ghost on the ice. And, you know, it pisses me off that they just moved someone like Kovalchuk that was getting so much um, uh, chemistry with somebody like Meta, with uh, someone like Suzuki. And now it's like, well, we're going to take Kovalchuk off. We're going to trade him off to Washington. We're going to put Jonathan Drew on that line. He hasn't done a damn thing. And all it's doing is bringing that line down. There's no without without Armia and Suzuki on that line. It may as well just be the two of them, you know. And then maybe right. And I then think maybe, Drew still hurt. Personally. I think he is too. And we 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 talked about this before that um, you know he wasn't ready to go or he didn't feel like he was ready to go. You, you know think what? Julian I threw him under the bus. And, and 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 yeah. And I don't think I don't think he's healthy either. And. Um, you know he's he's not he's not playing against you know he he never was really a, a guy to play against the boards or anything before but like now it's just he's shying away from contact he doesn't seem comfortable with the puck like he can't handle the puck he's not shooting the puck he's barely passing the puck he's literally going out there skating around collecting his check going sitting on the bench now i mean yes he's been hurt yes he's had some issues <clears throat> but to your point, Matt, I, I kind of agree. He hasn't proven himself to be indispensable. Neither has no, Domi. No, absolutely not. Absolutely and, not. And neither has Domi. I love Domi. You need, in my view, you need players like Domi to uh, come into a market like this and and play the way they have. But he's not indispensable either. I mean, I would keep him. Unless I would keep. I, I would keep him. I'd keep him over uh, over Drouin. Absolutely. Oh. Hundred percent. I don't think anybody's indispensable. 100%. No, and, and and that's what I was trying to get at. Everyone on this roster is pretty much well, pretty much everyone is tradable. So if someone comes up with a an unbelievable offer, do it. Now, in, in this case yeah. here, I mean, for years, Matt, uh, Matt Treg, myself, we've all all three of us have mentioned how um, Bergevin needs to trade from positions of strength. Domi's doing really well at center. With the centers that are coming up, maybe it's time to move him to a team that's desperate for centers to fill another need because you have that center depth. Or, you know, you trade someone like a, like a Drouet because you have left wing depth. I mean, you look at uh, you look at Colorado. I mean, we saw, like I mentioned before, the Mile High Holiday uh, with with Bergevin in Colorado for a few days, watching a few games, hanging out with Joe Sackick. Maybe there's something there because Drouin and McKinnon used to be teammates. Who knows? Maybe that's the blockbuster pre-draft trade where they, they make a big blockbuster deal between the two teams. Maybe. Who knows? That could be it. Maybe not. But uh, <clears throat> to, to the next point, uh, we got Suzuki as part of the core now, speaking of center depth. Uh, I would just, I, I, he's definitely in the core. He's oh, definitely absolutely. in the core. He's, he's exceeded, he's exceeded expectations. He's going to be a number one center now. Maybe. He very well could be. He very well could be. And with him, uh, Cotton Yemi, who's a, a, a 1A, 1B kind of center. I think that's what the Canadians are going to end up with is Suzuki and Cotton Yemi is a 1A, 1B system. I I just I hope he bounces back next year. He's he's performed so far in Laval. He's got he's had some uh, good chemistry with Houdon and uh, Evans, and Evans was recently called back up to the to the Canadians. But you know he's one guy that I really hope bounces back. 
Um, hey, he's looked really good in Laval since he's he, been he has. But there's one there's and and uh, Treg brought this up a couple weeks ago. You can be dominant at the AHL level. It doesn't mean shit if you can't do it in the NHL. And we talked about Chris Terry and Chris Terry is with the Canadians organization. You know, it, it means absolutely nothing. Same guy, same thing for a guy like Riley Barber or Phil Veroni or those kind of guys. If you can, you know, you can have a successful professional hockey career in the AHL. I'm not downplaying that whatsoever. But if you want to be a guy that's going to be at the NHL level and uh, perform at the, you have to perform at the NHL level. You need that I think, skill. I think Kotkaniemi though has in a way, performing at the NHL level, he did get over 30 points as an 18-year-old. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, it's not like he, he came in last year and got like 15, 18 points, then didn't do well. I think Kotkaniemi's big issue this year was the the injuries and the size that he put on and trying to change the way he played his game. Absolutely. I think that's what the issue was. He had a hard time playing with that bigger body, and now that he's in the AHL, he has you know, Bouchard working with him. He has more time to move. And I'm going to go back to a point Blaine brought up about Bouchard and the veterans. The big reason why Barber and Veroni were traded for the Mario brothers was because they weren't getting along with Bouchard because Bouchard wasn't deploying them the way they are used to being deployed. I mean, uh, uh, Veroni, I think was the MVP of the league two years ago. I believe it um, was. Yes. And, uh, now with them, like Bouchard hasn't playing, a different style, and he's putting more emphasis on guys like uh, Evans and Houdon and stuff like that, and they didn't like that. And I think, uh, and when you go to Kincaid, I think Kincaid's whole attitude since we're going to Laval is he just doesn't care anymore. I think he's just mad at the organization and doesn't really give a fuck. I think it. I think it shows because we've seen uh, yeah. we've seen some tweets that have been sent out um, about, uh, especially when uh, the goalies went down in Carolina, and a lot of people were saying. Uh, and a lot of people were tagging him in these tweets and saying, hey, Carolina, do you need a goalie? Hey, do you need this? Hey, do you need that? And Kincaid, Kincaid actually uh, liked a few of those on Twitter. Yeah. yeah, Kincaid, I think, feels he's an NHL goalie and he's being, uh, you know, I don't think he, he's happy at all about being in the AHL. Well, well, maybe if, if he, he start, if he starts if he starts playing like it, maybe he'll get in the NHL someday. Well, I mean, he's only exactly. ruining his own career, but absolutely. I mean, so. But anyway. back to the back to the point I was making. Uh, Suzuki's part of the core now. He's you know center depth. Kotniemi, Paling, uh, who may be shifted to the wing. We don't know yet, but we have all the, uh, those young guys. And you have Romanov, uh, Caulfield in a couple of years. Uh, this year is looking like a top ten pick. So. That's another high-end prospect that's coming in. Um, you got Kale Flurry that kind of came Kale out of Fleury, nowhere this year. Juleson, if he can Josh sort Brooke. out his health issues. There's there's a lot of quality prospects in this pool that are coming, and they're coming fast. And, and next year for Laval, um, you're going to have guys like Hillis and McShane, uh, Hood. Uh, Teasdale's going to be back healthy again. You're going to have a ton of talent, prospect-wise, coming up into the system. That's going to start flooding in. They're going to have to sign these guys, but these, these guys are, are all coming. guys that are going to have to get signed by by June first. Exactly. So guys yeah. like Hillis, uh, McShane, Hood, uh, they're they're likely going to be the ones signed on June first of this year. Having those five uh, 
available contracts prior to June 1, uh, that's very helpful. That allows them to sign these guys. Other people are going to be let, you know, walk away, but you want to pick and choose the, the higher-end ones, the ones that are producing, the ones you think are going to make it. Um, that being said, uh, this team's come a long way in the, in the last two years, uh, clearly with prospect depth, and, and it's coming. But, I mean, is it coming? it's not coming along fast enough to stop people from going to practices, holding up signs with poorly written names, demanding everyone be fired. Yeah, Timmy. Timmy's is terrible. Timmy's is terrible. <laughs> I hate Timmy's. That that coffee is horrible. <laughs> Tim Hortons, if you're uh, if you're listening, uh, we actually don't think your coffee's terrible. No, no, it's worse than that. It's it's absolute garbage. Once you start, <laughs> I don't drink us, coffee. So if you want, if you want to pay us, we will love it. <laughs> um, but uh, before we end the segment, it's it's dragging on a little bit. We're gonna play a little game called. What if the Habs? So you pick anything you want. You know, what if the Habs blank? So uh, we'll start with Treg. What if the Habs? What if the Habs traded Subban for an actual number one center? Boom. Do I need to go on, trade. or are you guys going to answer? Like, how does this game work? <laughs> then, uh, then you'd be then that receiving team would be stuck with a fourteen point defenseman. Oh God! Well, actually, it would be a, it would be a domino effect because there That's would right. be no need to trade Sergachev for Druin because they traded Druin as a center, hoping he'd play center, and. They would not draft Kotkin and Emmy in the draft. They'd probably go with Brady Kachuk or Zidania. Or Yolevi because they would need a defenseman. So, it, 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 like you said, it, it's a snowball effect. It, yeah. the, the, the plan today that you see would be very different Yeah. In, a, in the fact that it wouldn't have the same assets. It would still, in my opinion, we would still be in the same spot and still be looking for... for P, uh, uh, different pieces but they're just different pieces it would still be incomplete um i think we'd be in a better spot personally but maybe maybe uh now matt what if the habs so i'll say uh what if the habs use their picks this year to once again draft for need organizational need and not take the best players available disaster i completely agree Disaster. You guys are amazing. Yeah, I completely because agree. If they're picking around 10 to 12, that means they might pick that goalie. I can't because, see it. I can't, I can't see them taking that. Well, that wouldn't I can't be a need, well, would it? Kind of. They do need a backup goalie, and if they think yeah. he's NHL ready. Yeah, he's definitely not NHL ready. Not not with how he played at the juniors, that's for sure. But I'm just saying. But if, if they went for need... What do they? They need a little bit of everything, so I guess it doesn't really matter they do. who they. They, they do, but we've seen the last little while. Let's go get centers. Let's get left-handed shot defensemen. Let's yeah. get centers. Let's get left-handed shot defensemen. And um, I'm really hoping that we don't see that kind of trend this year. Now, who my my what if the Habs would be? What if the Habs walk onto the draft floor this June in Montreal and use those second-round picks 
and plethora of prospects to trade for established NHL players to fill the roster. That'd be a win. That would be, uh, you know, a really good part of that plan that Bergman's been talking about for the last. I, I think months. that's something that years? is probably going to happen. Or what? Uh, but how would people react? Because some, people say that he is skirting two plans. You know, building with the future, but playing for the now. If he actually took some of that and went for the uh, uh, went more in on the now, would that? Uh, how do you think people are going to react to that? Uh, it's going to be. I think they'd be happy as hell. I think they'd be happy, but then they'd be like, "Oh, we're just going to play to mediocrity because now all we're trying to do is make playoffs." Exactly. And it, it just it, it's copper bust. So. It would seem. Uh, so anyway, uh, we're we're dragging on. It's been a long segment. Uh, there was a lot to cover. There was. I had more notes. I just I had to delete some of them because there's just so much going on. But I wanted to make sure we saved some time for our guest this week, and that is Grant McCagg, uh, former NHL scout and the founder of Recruits.ca. So we're going to take a commercial break. Um, and when we come back from that break, Grant's going to join us and talk about his view of the Canadians and the future that's coming up. Uh, but before we do go to that commercial break, I just want to remind everyone to go to seatgiant.ca and use promo code UNFILTER20 when buying Canadians tickets, uh, concert tickets, really any kind of ticket that's available on seatgiant.ca. If you use the promo code UNFILTER20, you will save 35% of the fees towards that, uh, that ticket. So saving you money while you are getting entertained just like you do listening to Habs Unfiltered. So stick around. We're going to have a commercial break and we come back on the other side of that break. Grant McCagg of Recruits.ca. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the no-names and players currently making a name. The secret word for our Montreal Canadiens tickets giveaway is Zamboni Driver. I say again, the secret word for our Canadiens tickets giveaway is Zamboni Driver. Remember to DM the Habs Unfiltered account, follow Habs Unfiltered, follow all the hosts, and tell us why you deserve these two free tickets. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered. We are joined now by the founder of Recruits.ca and former NHL scout, Grant McCagg. Welcome to the show, Grant. Thanks for having me, guys. 
Oh, we are so happy to have you on board. We've been uh, we've been trying to get you for a couple of seasons now, and we finally we were finally able to get you. <laughs> oh yeah, you got a buck way ahead of time. I'm I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty big VIP. <laughs> well, we had to go independent from uh, from our former editor just to be able to get you. So oh yeah wow. okay. So we dropped him so Good we can stuff. get you. <laughs> um, smart move. So, smart move. Well, you know, we figured, who better? Um, so we'll just jump right into it. I don't want to take up too much of your time because you are a busy man. So um, the trade deadline, as we record, just passed yesterday. And, uh, you know, Habs fans are super excited. They're happy with everything Bergevin did. And uh, I don't know why we're even bothering. <laughs> yeah yeah as always there's uh you, you know yeah, at least half of the Habs nation is not happy with with what uh the gm does regardless i mean we're all we're all gms in our minds you know i think uh we we could all we all want to we all want to run things on the canadian so of course there's always lots of uh lots of differing opinions but that's part of the passion of being a Habs fan now um you uh, what what is your take on the reason why Bergevin did hold on to Tatar and Petrie oh I don't know if if there's a reason I probably I think I've stated about six different things so far there'll probably be a couple more that come to me before you know I mean I've been posting quite uh quite a few tweets on on why he did what he did and uh you know it keep uh things keep coming to me <laughs> as we go along like i mean first of all they're not out of the race this year i mean they win tonight and uh toronto loses their four points out of the playoff so with games left against florida and and toronto uh you know and those two teams struggling like i know the math says no they can't but uh the way things are going, those two teams aren't going to end up like the top team isn't going to end up with 97 points. It's going to be, you know, a few points less than that probably. So, um, if uh, you know, a week from now, as I as I've tweeted, if you know they win a couple more games, Toronto uh, loses a couple, uh, Florida only wins against Toronto, they could be tied, you know, with those two teams. So. Um, I think Bergevin would be kicking himself. I think fans would, you know, you think they've been vilifying him now. Imagine, oh, why did he trade them? They're in the playoff race now, you know, and they've got these draft picks that can't help them. So uh, in that sense, that would be one reason why he kept them. Uh, also, they have term. Like, Montreal, once again, is going into um, the offseason with no pending UFAs which, uh, you know, not many teams are able to do that year after year, and, and Bruce fans were pretty good about that. Um, I don't know that there's been any in the last few years, certainly not more than one or two if there have been. Um, I think uh, he wants to win next year. He, he's not going to have his job uh, if he misses a class five out of six years. I think he's going to get a pass this year. Because of the build, you know, the rebuilding, all the picks they've been getting, the, the good picks coming in, uh, the encouragement in that sense that the, that the team is going to be better in the future, and that he's not just trying to win and and losing anyways. 
Um, so I think he's, but if he goes five years out of the playoffs out of six, I just, I can't see him hang on to his job. And at some point, as patient as he's been, I do believe he's got, you know, he's got to think of, think of his own job at some point. And, and I think there've been enough, um, draft picks accumulated, especially after this draft, there'll have been a pile of, uh, players picked in the top five rounds the last few years. Like it would be, you know, 50 plus maybe. So, um, you only have 50 NHL contracts. You can only sign so many of these guys. So I do believe perhaps even before the draft that he makes a splash, uh, tries to get that top pairing left defenseman that has been so elusive for the club. Uh, maybe, you know, sign, uh, tries to maybe pick up another forward uh, like a first line type guy and really goes for it at least at least the defenseman anyway and makes a big splash with the draft being in, in Montreal and you know um, maybe that means Petrie or uh, or um, Tatar get get, dra- uh, get traded then or it could just mean that he keeps those guys thinking that you know we can win next year we get that left defenseman Price plays the way Price has played since November uh, or December or whatever. Um, you get the Romanov coming in to give him uh, another option at left defense. Uh, you try to sign Kovalchuk, try to either trade for another forward or, uh, you know, one with size and um, uh, beef it up a little bit. Uh, bring it, hoping that tailing in Kakinemi can come in next year and uh you know have good off seasons and and be you know real contributors to next year's lineups so they keep just keep getting better and better i i you know i can see why he he thinks that this club uh should be a playoff club uh next season so uh that being the case if they didn't have Tatar and Petrie uh the, the odds of them being a playoff team were even less next year. So, uh, and then if, you know, come February next year, if that's not the case, if they're 10 points out, well, you could still trade those guys. So that to me, is, I think is, you know, there, there's more than one thought process on this. I think you have to think several things and, and Bergevin comes across as the type of GM that does that. And that would be, that would, you know, I mean, I'm guessing, but I think that that's probably his uh, his thought process in this whole thing. Now, with all the youth that's coming up and his hope that they fill up the roster to add that, that depth, um, there's been a lot of detractors uh, to prospects saying, well, they haven't proven any, anything in the NHL. Why, why keep them? Why not trade for someone proven? What do you say to that? Uh, trade some of the prospects for proven players. Well, I mean, they might do that. Yeah. They might do that at the draft. Uh, like I say, I think they're going to really, you know, they're really going to go for a uh, left defenseman. And uh, like, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know it meant getting a uh, dealing a tailing or uh, you know tailing Mete and a pick or or whatever, you know. Keep uh, Petrie and and Tatar and uh, and make a good run at it next year. If you can, like, I just think it's going to be it's going to make such a difference if they can get that top pairing left defenseman. 
that, you know, everybody can move down. Uh, it just makes such a difference. You know, they don't really have a playmaking, uh, defenseman, you know, like one, that, like a, an elite one, like Petrie's not a, really a true playmaking defenseman, you know, Weber certainly isn't. He's more of the, you know, blast the puck. Uh, so, uh, you know, get someone that can get that puck out of their own zone, can carry the puck, and can contribute offensively. I really think he's he's going to, uh, you know, whatever it takes. If it means you know, dealing a uh, paling and uh, uh, Mete, or you know, uh, uh, throwing in a first or a second rounder in 2021, he's got so many draft picks, and you know, in the in the cupboard that are going to be in the vault. Uh, by the end of this draft that he can I, I think he can you know he can finally say okay I can get rid of some of the future and the prospect to uh, to get what we really need and then go for it now with with four picks in the top 60 uh, he is well positioned to do that mm-hmm. but just how deep is this draft I don't know that he even like uh, like that he even trades one of this year's, like I keep saying, 2021. They'll have those, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, before the draft, he can get rid of it. He can dangle his 2021 draft won't be in Montreal. It'll be elsewhere. He'll have, you know, four more top 60 picks in the vault, as I say. So I don't know. I don't, I think he wants to keep all the picks that he's got this year for this year's draft, but I could see him dangling that 2021 draft pick or two. You know, along with a Mete for a paling, or you know, to try to get that. Um, I mean, it'll take two or three pieces, you know. So, uh, but that wouldn't surprise me. Maybe even a roster player. It's, it's hard to say. But uh, getting back to your point about uh, you're asking about depth in this draft, um, I I don't know that it's you know unbelievably deep. But um, what I what I think is with with three second round picks, if somebody like, I don't know, say 30 to 40, 25 to 40 is dropped that they have like top 15 and they'd really like to get them. Um, they've got three second round picks to, to work with, right? Like, let's say it's pick 32 and they've got 38, 39. And well, they can offer 38 and 39 for the 30 sec to move up to 32 for sure. You know, maybe even late 20s. So I think, that, that that's going to be an option this year that uh, where they they may try hard to do that because again they've got 13 you know if they go from having four in the top 60 to having three in the top 60 they still got what 10 picks after that so you know I, I think this is a, the year where you uh, you package uh, at least two of those those seconds to, to try to move up and get try your best to get two players that, that you think can be um, either top four defenseman uh, top four, uh, or a uh, top six forward. Now, um, there's been talk of the prospect development and the drafting by Timmins. Um, Bergevin and his presser yesterday uh, spoke about giving Timmins as many darts as humanly possible so he can throw at the board and hit a target. Um, what are your, what's your take on that shotgun method to, uh, drafting? The Sam Pollock method uh, seemed to work pretty well, eh? (laughs) 
Yeah. I never, I never, uh, you know, I never say don't, don't uh, emulate Sam Pollock. You know, I mean, he was the best GM ever as far as I'm concerned. So <laughs> he did know, okay. He did okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, that's how he did it. I mean, he, I mean, uh, he didn't get Daryl Sittler, you know, in his draft year. He had three guys. Uh, uh, I think they drafted three guys before Sittler, you know. But he had like five first-round picks, <laughs> you know. Two of them panned out, and the next year he had four in the top ten. Like you look back at his drafts, it was crazy. It wasn't that they, you know, they had the best scouting necessarily. They just they had so many picks that some, you know, some were gonna pan out, right? So, uh, like the, you know, you look at the math and you have five first round picks every year, you're going to get better. You know, you're going to have a lot of assets. So, um, yeah, it, uh, like the last three drafts, they, they've, there was, when Bergeron first got here, they weren't getting a lot of top 90 picks and uh, that hurts you. That's where you get the majority of your players and that's where you get your star players. So, uh, he changed that after, you know, we, the last three years, Montreal's had top five as far as number of picks in the top 90. And when you add this year, they'd be top three, you know, maybe top two as far as having the most uh, top 90 picks the last two or four years. So uh, that to me is only good a good thing. It only means that, you know, you're going you're gonna to hit on two or three guys minimum. And uh, if you can... I think the league average is about 1.6 players per year end up being regulars that you draft. So if you're getting it up to 3.2, uh, you know, that's double the league average. That sooner or later that pays off. You can use those assets, whether it be to, you know, on, on the main club or, or to get, to get, you know, get those pieces like to do what, do what uh, Tampa did this year, get identify a couple of missing pieces and and uh you know trade some futures for it so i think it's all good the more the more assets you can you can get the the better it just uh well like you said the the odds it it, it you know makes the odds higher that you're going to get um uh impact players now um with that many picks they're gonna they're gonna have quite a few in the later rounds how important is it to actually find one of those so-called late round gems well i mean they have you know they have uh six in the top 90 they may not have to you know uh i don't think it's that important but you know i I think they're going to get three players out of their top six you know and uh they've got 11 in the top five rounds they're probably going to get three nhlers minimum maybe four so if they don't hit on their three picks that they have in round six and seven is not that big a deal. So I wouldn't say it's that, that important that they, they hit somebody really late, you know? Um, but if, if anybody has shown lately that they hit with a seventh round pick, it's Timmons like Evans and Primo pretty, you know, pretty darn good picks for seventh round picks. So, uh, you know, it wouldn't hurt if he, if he picked up another one there. Um, I mean, it's not inconceivable that they get four or five guys that can play out of this draft, which would be just uh, exceptional. And uh, you uh, you generate every year 
your uh, your draft list, which I purchase every year <laughs> and uh, peruse quite uh, quite hard. Uh, is there any one player that you feel that may be undervalued elsewhere that you've seen and you think this is a, this is a kid that's going to be a riser in this draft? Uh, well, right now that, you know, I mean, the Kotkaniemi draft, draft, it was Kotkaniemi, you know, everyone seemed to have him way too low. Uh, Jake Sanderson right now, but I, I suspect by draft, by draft day, he'll be top five and there will be people that, you know, are asleep on this kid, but he, he may go, uh, two or three in the draft. So, um, wouldn't surprise me. He's the, like, he's the, as far as the top end guy. That's that's uh, you know that's better than what's like I I'd love for the games to get Jake Sanderson you know there's a lot of people like if I said that if I were to tweet that right now like you know you'd get uh, hundreds of people replying oh no they gotta get uh, you know Raymond or Holt or, or whoever or Fatty I'm you know the way things are trending right now uh, Sanderson goes ahead of all those guys. So, and maybe ahead of Drysdale too. So, uh, that'd be the guy that comes to mind is at the top of the draft. Um, still, uh, you know, I don't really pay attention to, uh, other draft lists and stuff. So as far as telling you a guy that, you know, is under the radar, I don't really know. To be honest with you right now, like I'm not looking at other like independent draft lists and, and folks and on them. So, um, I guess if 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 you use the centrals list, you know, there's a couple of guys that uh, that I like that aren't very high on on their list yet. But they'll be doing a final ranking, and I'm sure those guys will come up. So, kind of early right now to say uh, to identify so-called sleepers because I don't really know who would be considered a sleeper. Not really following other draft lists and stuff. So that's the best answer I can give you. <laughs> That's fair. Um, now, I've, I've, found I've, I've been uh, I've been kind of uh, poking the bear on Twitter and uh, social media, and uh, pushing pushing Byfield as my pick for a number one overall. Uh, have it, sure. w- What's your take on uh, on Quentin Byfield? Is he? Do you think he would be able to crack that top spot? Oh, Byron just scored. There you go. One <laughs> One nothing halves. There we go. You made me miss it. I don't know if I can forgive you, but um, no, no. Byfield no. uh, <laughs> could go five. Now, I don't. Yeah. Anywhere from two to five, I'd say. He's been dropping some. Like Stitzel's pretty much. Uh, Lefemir's a lock for number one. I don't know. I mean, I never say that, but this year it's just. He's just too good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he just doesn't do anything badly. You know, he's got size, he's got speed, he's got power, he's got smarts, he can shoot. You know, it's just kind of a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned that it's Lafreniere. here. Um, and um, other than that, uh, I think Stutzel is kind of a, you know, he's the flavor of the month. He's He really wowed everyone at the, at the World Juniors. I mean, for you to play as well as he did, 
to show the flash the skill that he did at, at, as a draft eligible. Um, he's the sky's the limit with him too. So uh, then I think you, you defensemen have such value, you know. Um, it, these last few drafts, I don't know that there's been any that it it, it doesn't end up at all. Oh, geez, you know, Heiskanen in, uh, in, and Makar, for instance. You got to consider them two of the top three players from their draft now. Um, you know, uh, Quentin Hughes, like he, you know, he's looking like uh, right at the moment, like one of the three best, certainly production-wise, from his draft, and you go on and on. So, uh, you know, they bring such value playing 25 minutes a game if they end up being number one defenseman that. Um, Unless the unless the other guys are just you know uh, there's no red flags at all, then uh, it's often defensemen that that are in the top four at least one. And I think Sanderson and Drysdale will be uh, both top five. And then you know when you look at at Byfield being anywhere from three to five, I think is is how it's going to go. Um, I mean. You know, you look at the the raw numbers for Byfield. You look at his size. You look at his you know his stats. You think, geez, how could he not be number two? But when you watch him, <laughs> when you listen to the scouts, you know, they they all question his um, just how smart he is and uh, just how brave he is. Now, when you question those two things, those are pretty important. You know, uh, at the NHL level. And you wonder just if you'd be able to, if he'd be anything more than a 60-point scorer at the NHL level unless he changes his game, you know, and becomes, uh, he competes harder. And that's, often that doesn't happen. So, you know, when you when there's even lights, like question marks about a guy, when you're picking top three, four, you know that can drop a guy just to just outside it, especially when there's what looks like number one defenseman potentially in uh, Drysdale and Sanderson that you can pick instead. So, uh, you know, I, there's NHL scouts that don't know that Byfield will be a number one center, right? So, you can get a number one defenseman, or you can get a number two center. Well, you know, as hard as that may sound to believe, but it, you know. Like, uh, let's say Buffalo picked them, or I, I mean, I could name 10 teams where, you know, there's a good, darn good, oh, they scored again. There's a darn good chance that, <laughs> there's a darn good chance that he ends up being a second line center, depending on the team that, that picks him. Well, you pick that first pairing defenseman instead, right? So, uh, I, I think it's, it's, you know, maybe a team takes him too. They say, "Oh, I got to have the six five centerman of the route that he could go to." But I think it's it, more likely he's going somewhere between three and five. Well, that's fair. I, I do it more just because uh, I grew up in Sudbury, so I, I like to. Oh wow! I like, to, like to push my number one. Then. <laughs> hey, well, I mean, you, you know, you gotta love the, you know, the production and the size, and I mean, he's he's going to be a, you know going to be a hell of, hell of a NHL or just, yep. uh, you know, will he be a top 10 sentiment in the league? Uh, yeah. Well, there's, there's some, 
there's some questions there. So, um, you know, time will tell, but certainly uh, I don't see him dropping outside the top five. And that's still, because the top 10 players in this draft are really elite, uh, you know, that's still a hell of a player. So, so before I let you go and uh, get back to uh, get to watching the game that we are both missing right now. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Weber scored, by the way, so hey. Oh, you know. probably a big old clapper from the point, too. It, it was. It was a it was a slapper, so. Now, uh, <laughs> hey, look at that. I could just guess just by who scores. Um, <laughs> uh, so we'll play a little game called What If the Habs, and I'll just throw one, at, uh, one question at you. What if the Habs actually made the playoffs? Yeah. It's wide open. Well, then they... Then they then they play Tampa and they'd be out in the first round. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or, or who would they play? Yeah, probably Tampa, Tampa right? Yeah. Yeah. Unless they, Tampa catches Boston, but it'd be, you know, it'd be one of those two. And you know what? I think Montreal matches up pretty well with, with Tampa. If Price can play as well as Vasilevsky, which he never seems to do, you know, Montreal has outplayed Tampa in a lot of games the last two years and didn't get the goaltending. Uh, you know, I mean, not to ask him a lot of playing Vasquez because he might be the best goalie in the league right now, but, um, you know, that would end up being a heck of a series, I think. I mean, Tampa obviously would be favored to win, but, uh, you know, I don't see any four game sweep or anything like that, you know. And I, I mean, I'm not dismissing it. Toronto and Florida are, you know, not looking very good. So, um, Montreal obviously is up 2 nothing tonight. So, you know, yeah. as I've been saying all day, you know, they win the night and Toronto loses, they're four points out. You know, I mean, Montreal, Montreal just scored the same number of goals on an NHL goalie as Toronto did on a Zamboni. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, uh, I mean, it'd be great. It'd be great if they made the playoffs. I hope they do. And, I don't know. It just doesn't seem right. April without the house playing. And I, I think that's why so many fans are, are starting to get antsy and upset. Sure. It's Cause it's been a while. Definitely. But uh, Grant, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, and doing the show with us. Uh, I would love to get you back a little bit later in the year and uh, pick your brain again. Um, Sounds good. So, uh, it, Tell uh, tell my listeners where they can find you and where they can find your work. Oh yeah, well they can find me on Twitter if they can handle you know anti-Trump uh, rhetoric and uh, I think most can Canada, but if you can't, it might be you know might be a little too rich for you. But uh, and positivity as far as the haves go, I try not to be too negative. Um, you know you can follow me on on Twitter at my my name. Uh, and, uh, recruits is where you, you know, where you'll, uh, order the draft guide. It's recruits.ca and that's recruits is, uh, R-E-C-R-U-T-E-S. Um, and that's where you can order, you know, a draft subscription, uh, I'm posting, uh, draft stuff every week. So, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's a, I think it's a good site to follow the, what's going on in the draft because I talk to NHL scouts all the time. So I've got a lot of inside stuff and, um, yeah. 
support support my draft work and uh, get some get some uh, firsthand info from from NHL scouts. Well, I I'm definitely one of your subscribers, so uh, I I. I I've always mentioned it to people that I, I speak to that uh, going there is always a good idea, and I, okay. I'm all for supporting independent uh, independent scouts. Thanks, Mike. So thank you very much for coming on the show, and uh, I'll let you get back to watching the game. <laughs> yeah, thanks. appreciate it. Do you have a problem getting big city slams? Are you not getting the gains at the gym? Well, don't mortgage your future on rental supplements. Get Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms will get you the gains you need. Bergy Arms gets rid of all the bad attitude and builds better character so you can get the gains you need. Get Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms. Today. Not a real project. May make you trade your favorite player for a mountain man. Do not use, if you're healthy, if you want to loyalty, buy a dog. And that concludes another episode of Habs Unfiltered. We would like to thank all our listeners, old and new, for joining us. We hope you were informed and entertained. And always remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.